All right, 6 o'clock on the fan on what has been a very busy day. You don't usually get a day where you say goodbye to an iconic figure in the morning and then welcome in a new manager, especially the second manager in a couple of weeks in the afternoon. That's what you got today from the Giants and the Mets. Uh, the Giants have had a lot going on. This was probably one of the few times they've had a couple of pleasant moments. At least they can today look back to when they were good and when they mattered and when they did something positive, which has been so long since they've done anything even remotely positive. So I'm sure for John Mara and for Eli, that was a step in the right direction. Here was uh, John Mara today as he uh, started the Eli retirement festivities with, with mixed emotions. This is certainly a day of uh, very mixed emotions uh, for us. It's sad in one sense because we're seeing the end of an incredible playing career and saying goodbye to someone who has been everything you could ask a player to be both on and off the field for the last 16 years. Yet we're also very happy because we get to be here to celebrate that incredible career. You know, I remember when the rumors started about two days, three days before the draft uh, about this trade and, and the idea about Eli and forcing the hands with San Diego and everything and exactly what they hoped he would be. Here was uh, John recollecting, talking about Eli. I also remember the last game of the 2004 season, Eli's rookie year, when he took us down the field at the end of the game uh, in the closing seconds to beat Dallas. It was the last game my father ever saw. And, and I can remember walking to the locker room with him afterwards and him saying to me, I think we found our guy and how right he was. You know, Wellington was right. Again, Wellington, who uh, saw that with Eli and Wellington, who was the guy who hired Tom Coughlin, who teamed obviously with Eli to win those two en enormous Super Bowls and how much those mean to the Giants and how much they changed the face of the NFL and the history of the NFL. All right, where will Eli uh, wind up? Well, you can guess. You will always be uh, the ultimate Giant, and we would be honored to induct you into our Ring of Honor next season. And please know this, no giant will ever wear number 10 again. Well, an emotional John Mara, stuff you'd expect. So, you know, in these last couple of years, I kept saying, this all ends when Eli finally retires. Now it swings to the positive. Now everything is wonderful, and now it's about every good day, and none of this will be remembered. And now the tail end of this career, which was so ugly, will now just fade away here was Eli starting the day. This sport has very few real farewells. But as the clock round down on our win against the Dolphins this season, I ran to my favorite place in the stadium, the tunnel. I waved to our loyal fans, and then Abby and my kids ran out to meet me. That was my farewell. No regrets. I don't have any regrets, and I won't look in the rearview mirror. Would we have liked to have won more games or championships? Of course we would have. There were tough times that I learned and grew from, but I always knew the level of effort and sacrifice that my teammates and coaches made. We did all we could do every week. And obviously uh, very thankful. You can be confident that no one has loved and appreciated wearing the Giants uniform more than I have, and that will never change. The best thing about playing all these years 
is the number of teammates that I can call real friends. And of all those friends, I'm lucky enough to have a few that have become as close as brothers. To the Giants fans, you are definitely unique. But I love you for that. I'm walking away today feeling like a New Yorker. Well, at least a Northeasterner. And that says a lot about a guy from New Orleans who went to Ole Miss. It's been an honor to be a part of this family, and I hope that I've represented the organization in the way that you wanted me to from my first day to my last. Well, he's done that, folks. And, you know, it, it, it's amazing. Um, I remember having a conversation with Archie, who I'd known for a very long time, even before these guys started, his son started playing football. And he said to me, Eli, Mike, is made for New York. He said, he's perfect. He's Nothing bothers Eli. Everything bothers Peyton. Peyton would be terrible in New York. Eli's perfect. Nothing, they'll never get to him. And you could tell today how he called the fans unique. And I can tell you, because I know this, he's been hurt by some of the stuff that went on here the last couple of years. And who wouldn't be? by the benchings, by some of the fan reactions to some of the other stuff. But you never saw that from him. Just like you never saw it early in his career, like when he played that terrible playoff game when they, got, when they were overmatched against Carolina and he got thrown under the bus, that he was never going to be any good and everything. He never let that bother him, and he never held a grudge. He didn't hold a grudge when his wide receivers dis- disrespected him. He didn't do anything. He just moved on. And when it was his time to take over, he took over was his time to lead, he led, and uh, he was the right guy for that team and the right guy for this town, and fortunate, as he said, to play his whole career as a giant. It's rare to have the privilege of playing an entire career with one organization. I'm proud to be one of the few, but even more so that it was as a giant. You know, you hear that more and more. Uh, from the players who accomplish it, and it is rare. You know, we've seen it a couple of times in recent years. You know, obviously, uh, we've seen it with a couple of Yankees, and now we see it with Eli. Uh, it does matter, and it, it, because it's such a rare thing now for it to happen, and Eli uh, finished this way. For most of my life, people have called me easy. Believe me, there is nothing easy about today. Wellington Mara always said, once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. And, you know, through these years, there's always been this. They've been very different people and had very different careers, but there's always been this analogy of how he's handled things and how Jeter's handled things and even had a little mention of Jeter at the end here. Another New York sports icon went into the Hall of Fame this week, Derek Jeter. I'm wondering what you learned from him uh, about handling this market. Well, I'm just trying to figure out which one of y'all didn't vote for him. <laughs> There's only one of you, so I know you're probably in here. No, they probably are, uh, Eli, but it was someone, obviously, that person hasn't surfaced rightfully. Uh, hopefully, do- never does. Uh, that's a positive. But you know what? Good sense of humor. Uh, again. Knowing what's going on, very aware. You know, I had on a couple of occasions um, been in situations with Eli. He and I had done a couple of events together through the years at different places. You know, there were a couple of places that had us out to do 
events together and stuff like that. So uh, I hosted with him a couple of events through the year. So I, we knew each other very well. And I didn't spend a lot of time talking to him. But, you know, through the years we'd had our, our discussions and been in the same place and chatted a bunch of times. And uh, he always got it. And he always was very comfortable in his own skin. And that's the rare athlete who is just very confident, very comfortable. Doesn't mean they don't get hurt. Doesn't mean their feelings don't get hurt. Doesn't mean they don't go home and be very upset, but they don't let you see that. And Eli never let you see what he was feeling and was always able to be there in the big moment. And to me, the essence is that when things were at their most chaotic and most meaningful, that's when he was at his best. And that's what you'll remember because that's what makes them special. All right, so the second half of the day, the afternoon, belonged to the Mets. And the Mets were in a bit of a recovery phase here as they tried to, again, spin this and do some damage control. And that's why I, I, I got a weird feel. And I, and I haven't heard anybody else's take on the Mets uh, this, today, but I got a weird feel watching this press conference. And it started with Brody. Let's start with him because I think he needed to go in there and low-key it. This was not his first choice. This was not the guy his search had ended with this unbelievable candidate. You can't sell him as being the greatest thing since sliced bread when he wasn't your choice a couple of weeks back. And it was just a weird feel I got from Brody. But let's start with him on Rojas. His communication, not only to the players, but you'll learn his communication with you will be genuine. And certainly from, from a management standpoint, the ability to know that when we speak to Luis, it's going to be, it's going to be the truth. So here you go. He opens up by throwing Beltran right onto the bus. We know that guy lied to you. He lied to us. He lied to you. We lied to the media. We all know he lied to the media. So now, here, we got a guy. He's going to be a Boy Scout. We're telling you. We got that guy out of here. So here's the first bit of damage control, like with a sledgehammer. He's going to tell you the truth. Throws Beltran right under the bus, right to it. Well, wait a second. What does that mean? You can tell us truth. That means the last guy was lying. Well, as we know, he denied things in the media, which wasn't true. And how did he deal with the mess? Well, that guy. So we start there. We're starting with the lies already. All right, that that started right there. Now, here's the Brody number two on Rojas. You know, you've heard a few words, authenticity. Uh, this guy's real. You know, I think uh, you guys probably could hear his tone today. It, you feel it. <clears throat> Our players, you know, are familiar with it. They, uh, they know he has substance. So again, direct <laughs> Beltran. He's real. You can feel it. That other guy was a phony liar. We already got it. So, so here we are. We're washing our hands here. Right out there in front. Hey, this guy's real. He's going to tell you the truth. So already he's now, he's thrown him under the bus, and now he's riding over him with the bus. Now, here again, the third one, which is even more bizarre. We are confident that with Luis Rojas as our leader and as our manager, that we will have many proud moments, many proud days, and many proud nights as we go forward in our future. Proud, proud, proud. How about a little slow sell here? I mean, was this, who is he, Patton? I mean, wait a second. 
you did not hire this guy. You could have hired him to be your manager. You chose somebody else who screwed you. You have to low-key this. Instead, he comes out, slaughters Belchan with the truth stuff, and then proud, proud, proud. We got a winner when you see this guy's the great. I mean, I was like, can you low-key it a little bit? I mean, you got this. I mean, he hyped the used car salesman deal up to like a 10 today. I mean, come on now. Low-key this a little bit. How about a little damage control? This wasn't your first choice. You needed to just take it back and ratchet it down a little bit today. Not Brody. He went right for the top with this. All right. Now to Rojas. Here he was as he says hello. I want to thank ownership, Jeff Wilpin, Fred Wilpin, Saul Katz. Thank you for this opportunity, this great opportunity. I want to thank Brody. Thank you for believing in me. I will lead this team into success. Uh, This, according to Rojas' dream. This is a very exciting day for me. This is a dream come true for me. To become the New York Mets manager. That was my dream. Standing here in front of you, I can share it right now. This is a very exciting day. This is a dream come true. The Mets are my family. The Mets are my baseball family. I started in 2006 in the Dominican Academy, and immediately I fell in love with the Mets. All right. What you can expect from his Mets? We are going to be prepared to, com- to compete. We're going to have some values to follow. That me knowing the guys and the guys knowing me back as well will understand perfectly. I know it will, it will be no problem. This is a family. And uh, he wants to carry on what happened last year. I saw what this team can do. I want to lead them to win. We had a great second half last year, and I want continuity. I want that to be transferred into spring training. All right, here's my take. And I don't know, uh, Luis Rojas, obviously, is son of Felipe Lou. Felipe Lou was as classy a guy as ever came down the pike as a player, as a manager. We all know Felipe Lou held in very high regard. The Mets hold this guy in very high regard, and, and they did even before they gave him the job. But they didn't think he was ready because they didn't give him the job. They gave it to Beltran. Okay? I was led to believe that he was a little more polished than he seemed to me to be today. That was my first take. Now, he's allowed to be nervous. I mean, this is a guy who has not had a lot of days in front of the world, in front of the media. This is a step. You know, he's not coming from a broadcasting job. He's not a guy who was a Hall of Fame or a star player. So he doesn't have Boone's background. He doesn't have uh, Beltran's background. Okay? So you got to cut him some slack there, and I'm willing to. But my first take on the day today was not great. Number one, I thought Brody really was over the top with his praise, and he wasn't very believable with the whole process. Uh, so I, did, I, I, thought he, I thought he sledgehammered the whole thing. Number two, I thought Rojas would be far more comfortable than he was. He was not. He was, he was more nervous than I thought he would be. and he, So it's going to take him a little longer than I thought. 
as far as handling everything. He just seemed to me to be a little less polished than I thought he would be. Or as I was led to, because everyone who talked about him said, you know, wonderful communicator. And he might be, but he did not seem as polished today as I thought he would be. So I, I, I don't think he had a bad day. I just didn't come away feeling that he was very comfortable up there. And I also thought that Brody tried to sell everybody just like, hey, it was almost like, guys, let's act like the other day, never, let's act like the Beltran thing never happened. Although we made sure to talk about telling the truth, which was a sh- straight shot at Beltran. But it was almost like, this is our guy. If they had hired this guy the first time, they could have talked about how, hey, this is a stop traffic candidate. He's been in our organization. We've had our eye on him. We ex- you know, we've been waiting to you know, unleash this guy on the world. We know he's ready. We prepared him. He's there. You can't do that when you didn't hire him and he was ready to be hired. You didn't bring this guy in from somewhere else to save you. He was there. He was there last year. So he's been there. So you you don't have the ability to sit there and give you this, oh, folks, I mean, this is an overwhelming candidate. When did he become overwhelming? As soon as we had to get rid of Beltran, he became the most overwhelming candidate. That's what I got from today. I got a real queasy feeling about this whole process in that the Mets almost tried to give it to you like, they, like the other thing didn't happen. And none of that is that important to the future. It's not going to impact how Rojas handles the bullpen or how he handles uh, Cano and Cespedes or how he handles DeGrom and Syndergaard. That's all going to take, that's all going to happen in its own time. It's going to happen in its own way. Okay? He might grow into be uh, Walter Alston for all I know. I have no idea. We don't know. You never know about these guys. That's part of it. You don't know which ones are going to grow up to be really good managers and which ones are going to be in over their head. But I'm just giving you first glance here. I thought the Mets needed to come in and low-key it. They didn't. It's just not Brody's way to low-key things. And I thought he was a little more uncomfortable than I thought he would be. I did not get the feeling that he was that comfortable in front of the world today accepting the job. Now, I think he was very sincere. I even got the idea that I think he feels like he's ready. I, don't, I, didn't, I, I didn't get a feeling that he didn't feel that. I think he understands what the job's about. Now, remember, he's got some drawbacks here. Number one, he's been thrust into this a couple of weeks before pitchers and catchers. Number two, he doesn't have his own staff. He has inherited a staff, and I bet you with a few guys on that staff who thought they had as much a right to be the manager as he did. Now, that's supposed to be forgotten, but you don't know that it is. Can be, can't be, you don't know. You, just don't, you, you can think it is, but you don't know. I heard Riggleman the other day, and I like Riggleman a lot. And I know Riggleman well. And Riggleman spoke very highly about Rojas, which I thought was a big positive. He said that he gets along very well with everybody. 
He handles things very well. He doesn't, uh, you know, step on toes. He knows how to facilitate. You know, he got along very well with the older baseball guys. That's all good positive. Now, what are the hard parts of the job here for this guy? Number one, dealing with his staff. Number two, fixing this bullpen. He's been... He's been thrust into a position here that the Mets created for him in that Diaz is your closer. Now make it work. He might not agree with that. That might be not be something he agrees with. But he's been put in that position, and that's where this team has gone. And remember, he is a collaborator. Some will call him a puppet. That's not fair. But he will be a collaborator, which means the analytic department is going to have a big say. Brody's going to have a big say. There's going to be other people who have a say in what goes on here. This is not going to be run like a uh, dictatorship. This is going to be an extremely limited monarchy. Extremely limited. But it doesn't mean it won't work. There are some keys to this team that are going to be tricky. Cano in his role because he's very influential inside the team. He will be a positive for the manager, not negative. Cespedes in his role, he can be a negative in a minute if he doesn't get his way. Uh, Dealing with the very successful youngsters who are going to be faced with pressures and trying to duplicate their feats led by Alonzo. And then getting everything out of DeGrom and Syndergaard and... Most important, identifying your bullpen and then making your bullpen work. That is the most important job, I believe, that a manager has now in modern-day Major League Baseball is to utilize his bullpen, keep it fresh, don't abuse it, and get the most out of the matchups and know which guys you can push, which guys you can't, which guys you can go back-to-back with, which guys you can't, which guys you can put in the tough spot, which guys you can't. That is the essence of modern managing. And he has to show that because that could be a very tricky bullpen. And the Mets, if their plan works, they want their starter to go 6-7 and and hand it over to the bullpen and let the bullpen take you home. And that means the bullpen has got to work night in and night out. And that's why the bullpen is what will sink or make this team swim. So I wasn't overly comfortable with everything, but we'll see where that takes us after day one. As Rojas takes over, Eli says goodbye. So a very monumental day. Here in late January, a very, very big day on this bye week. Enjoy your uh, first football weekend, non-football weekend. Get out on Sunday, do something, uh, you know, different. Find something to occupy your time as you have no football. But uh, next week, obviously, we'll get back to Super Bowl 54 and everything as we lead up to the game in Miami and everything else going on. Have a good weekend, everybody. Uh, We'll see you Monday.